up everyone we're back for another episode of locked on bucks and uh over here in australia i woke up to some news pat Connaughton, surprisingly i think has opted into his uh, contract for this season so that uh is an interesting discussion point what does it mean for next season what does it mean moving forward what does it mean for bobby porter so we're going to get into that and the draft as we're recording this under 24 hours away so we can talk about any final uh, talking points from what the Bucks could do. It's also the premiere of Giannis's movie tomorrow or the next day. Frank, the movie buff, unlocked on Bucks. We're gonna get these thoughts. <laughs> Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot up. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can see and hear me on the show Monday to Friday. Also, find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we have seen this week the interest around the draft for the Bucks is higher than it's been in recent years. And we uh, we definitely appreciate everyone for making Locked On Bucks their first listen or first watch uh, of every day. And uh, I should say, as you're preparing for the draft, um, we had Matt Babcock on the podcast yesterday. Uh, he brings a different level of expertise when it comes to these draft prospects than perhaps, I don't want to speak for Frank, but certainly more than me. Um, so if you're looking for some last second prep, listen to that. Also listen to the ultimate uh, mock draft as well. I made my selection. So you've got all the prep you need on the Locked On Network. But Frank, before we get to the draft, uh, this was a surprise uh, for me as I woke up. I had the nice little notification there from Woj and telling me that Pat Connaughton... And as I started reading this tweet, I was like, okay, Pat's opted out. Great. Thank you very much. Opted in? Pat has opted into his deal. Uh, and, it, you know, it's just a surprise. We've gone through the salary cap stuff, what it could mean for the luxury tax, the the added bill that the owners are going to have for putting this team back together or keeping it together. Um, this was a little bit of a shock. How did you take the news? Uh, I, I assume for, for most it was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I was... Um, <clears throat> I think... Uh, Brian Sampson, who, who tweets under the you know Bucks Film Room account, I think he, he tweeted something earlier in the day about that this was the decision day for Pat's uh, option. And in my head, I was thinking like, oh well, you know, if, if if there's no word on him opting out, then like we should you know call the cops and do a welfare check on Pat and his agent. Because um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I did, did you do that? <laughs> Never got around to it. Never okay. got around to it. Um, but yeah, similarly, I mean, I saw the tweet from Woj and my immediate thought was like, it was like a quote tweet. And I was looking at it, I was like, okay, I got to click on this just to make sure that this is a real Woj, you know, account. And it's, it's not like a fake Woj account, which would be like a pretty sad thing to create a fake Woj account to tweet about that content opting in to, to a player option. Not exactly the highest stakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like obviously from Pat's perspective, you know, he, he absolutely would have gotten more on the open market from hopefully the Bucks, right? That was our assumption was that, you know, you know, we know he obviously has developed close ties in Milwaukee. He's a great fit with the Bucks, you know, great, re- great relationship with Giannis and obviously his teammates, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think, you know, obviously we expect to see here for, for a number of years on. Um, 
But, you know, I think he would have had competitive offers, maybe not up to the full mid-level, but certainly at, at least the taxpayer mid-level from somebody, which would have been over $6 million a year. And again, just to, you know, coming off two really good years, just to um, lock in a long-term contract, I think what he's 29 years old. So, you know, like you don't want to wait a year and, and, and uh, come off like a 32% three-point shooting season when you're hitting free agency, given the way that, you know, especially Shaw last year, but um but then, you know, you look at it and some, someone asked me, um, I forgot what, someone asked me on Twitter, like maybe a few weeks ago, like if there was any reason for Pat to, to, um, to opt in, like, could, you know, could we extend Pat before, I think the question was about like, could we extend Pat before the end of June, which, you know, if guys have longer than three-year deals, I think if I remember correctly, it's like, basically if you have like, you know, like a four-year deal, you could extend basically up until, um, you know like July one, like you don't have to wait, right? Like Chris Paul, you guys might remember, I think that was an opt-in and I think, did he actually, maybe it wasn't the Chris Paul situation. I know he opted in and then was traded to the Rockets, but either way, long story short, um, you know, he, he, he was not eligible to extend right now unless he became a free agent and then re-signed, but he couldn't just sign an extension before July because his contract wasn't long enough. It hasn't even been two years since he signed it, but technically after two years, um, if he, if he opted in then at the two year anniversary of that contract signing, which I believe was like on August 29th, 2020, um, he'd be eligible to extend that contract. And so of course I didn't think that was even relevant. Cause this is like, well, you know, why opt in and then wait two months and then you extend, you know, Pat, just go get a, you're going to, you're going to make more money now if you, if you just opt out and sign a new deal. But the obvious, you know, and presumptive angle to this is not because Pat is just going to play out his deal for 5.7 and then become a free agent next summer, but it's because he can sign an extension in late August. And I, mean, we, I don't think we've seen any reporting yet on this, but you know, the obvious, the obvious reason to do this is because he and the Bucks have discussed the parameters of what that extension will look like when they can sign it. And presumably they will make it worth Pat's while to <laughs> not get that raise this year, but essentially defer uh, that new contract until next year when the extension would kick in. So, um, so, you know, I'm very curious to see what that extension will look like, but I have, you know, every, uh, every, you know, every belief that they will sign that extension uh, later in August when, when he becomes officially extension eligible. And I think, you know, I was assuming he'd probably get something in the, you know, eight to $9 million a year range. Um, for a new contract. So, you know, you think about what he's leaving on the table, you know, is he leaving two, three, possibly even $4 million on the table this season in order to, to opt in and get an extension instead, you know, you'd guess that the bucks will, <laughs> will make him whole on that. Uh, you know, not similar, not, not dissimilarly from our belief that they probably have an understanding with Bobby Portis from last year that they would make him whole uh, this summer and, and offer him a big, ex, uh, a big new contract when he hits free agency. Um, so yeah, so I would expect again, you know, we'll see what the number is, but maybe it's $9 million. I think it could be up to roughly $12 million starting salary. I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, but you know, again, he's obviously just been a super valuable piece, a guy that was closing games, playing crunch time, um, the last couple of years. And, and obviously was a huge part of, of that championship team. So, um, you know, the, the, the real value again, if it's $3 million of foregone income this year, huge tax benefit for the bucks who, 
you know, especially if they bring back Bobby, I mean, they're in that like four and a quarter, roughly $4 per, per dollar penalty range of the luxury tax. So again, you know, you look at kind of the money given up, not only is it, you know, call it $3 million less that he's going to make in the salary, but you just multiply that out then by the tax penalty that you would have paid on it. You know, you're talking about a savings well above, you know, 10 million, $12 million um, for the bucks for this season. And again, Barring something unforeseen, I mean, they're going to be in the tax as long as they're trying to contend with Giannis, which we hope will be for quite a while. Um, so, again, pay me now, pay me later. But um, the tax level is also pretty rapidly rising. So, you know, you have Brooke Lopez coming off of his uh, current contract next summer. So, again, I think it's a very logical thing from the Bucks to kind of kick the can down the road and, again, <laughs> pocket those savings this year. And obviously, you know, again, as we always say, Fans aren't obligated to care about taxes and kind of what the payroll is for the owners. But I think the upside here is that the more money they save on kind of moves like this, then obviously it increases the likelihood that they're able to possibly spend the entire taxpayer mid-level exception or, you know, be more aggressive with other moves, potentially adding salary and trades, things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think this obviously has a potential to be a, a really nice win-win for the Bucks. And for Pat, and so I think kudos to the organization and for Pat, right? Um, seemingly, again, maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit, but certainly looks like a situation where they're kind of working together to, you know, m maximize flexibility for this coming season financially, give the bucks a little break uh, from a tax perspective, and you know, make sure Pat gets taken care of on the back end. And again, um, obviously, the last contract, a lot of people. Um, I mean, including myself, I was like, why are you give him a player option? It would have better just give him two years. Obviously, we were all wrong, right? He more than earned his contract. Kudos to Pat. Um, a lot of people that were really aggressively anti that deal obviously had to eat their words. And I mean, again, that's the the best the best possible way to be wrong, right? Is when you uh, you think a, a guy that you know your own guy got overpaid and then he ends up outplaying it, and in Pat's case, helping you win a championship. So. Um, so yeah, a good day, hopefully for, for everybody. Yeah. I would say that's one of the hallmarks of this team over the last few years. When you think about guys that originally have been underpaid and eventually are going to probably, if you want to keep them, are going to have to get that extension. I know Brooke was, Brooke Lopez was a little different situation, but he certainly had it after the first season. You mentioned Bobby Porter, similar situation. You feel like it's coming. You hope it's coming. Uh, and then with Pat, but I, I agree. I'm worried about that next year. This is good for next season. It seems like unless they just pocket the savings and say, no, we're not, we're not spending any more money anyway. Then, you know, I'd say there would be some kickback uh, from the fan base. But as I've said, when it comes to the spending, there's probably going to be kickback uh, either way. Uh, that was big news for today with Pat Connaughton, but I've got some more big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing back the best game ever, but they've made it bigger with a Shaq edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with the NBA legends in this arcade classic. NBA legends, not sure if that applied to the old version of the Bucks teams, but uh, either way, you can jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire. It's one of the first ever sports games to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters required. Uh, that's actually not a lie because te technically it says no quarters required, but you, if you go to any bar, you generally need some quarters. But anyway, compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. 
Pre-order now from arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Uh, there's other classic games is there. Hello, Classic Games on the website as well there. And they are giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. Unfortunately, not available in Australia. I was trying to do it, but they won't mm. send it out. It's a real blow to me. But you've got until July 8 to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. By the way, um, I got to give a shout out. I'm wearing my uh, The Leap uh, ah, shirt yes. for subscribing to uh, our friend Peter Bukowski's Packers newsletter. Yes. So um, I was on I was on Locked on Packers a couple weeks back discussing kind of Giannis versus Aaron Rodgers is in the battle to be the most popular uh, Wisconsin sports athlete, which is a fun, fun debate to have. If, amazing that, you know, the Bucks actually have a player who could legitimately rival someone as as great and uh and as as aaron Rodgers, given the packers are always you know the number one in wisconsin so had a fun discussion with that but um as but anyway so i just want to quickly say as someone that didn't grow up in wisconsin the idea that aaron Rodgers could be as likable as Giannis is one of the more laughable comments i've ever heard and there will be some packers well... homers there'll be some packers <laughs> homers uh but i'm here to tell you what a ridiculous comp I mean, I, I mean, look, uh, like it was not likability, right? It was just <laughs> okay, okay, um, because okay, okay. because clearly Giannis. I said Giannis wins the approval rating war yes, because yes, yes. anybody who knows anything about Giannis loves him. Versus Aaron, uh, let's just say, even with his uh, the heights he reached in his MVP, latest MVP season, you know, rubs some people the wrong way. Marches to the beat of his own drummer a little bit. Uh, anyway, that we'll let Peter. Uh, we'll leave that stuff to Peter to, to decode Aaron Rodgers. But I, I, for one, as a Packer fan, I'm happy that, that Aaron Rodgers is back and hopefully he ends his career in Green Bay. Doesn't doesn't pull a Brett Favre, but uh, it was looking a little dicey on that front there for a while. Terrific player, no doubt about it. I can I can uh, safely admit that as uh, someone who <laughs> really knows nothing about the NFL. Uh, back to the NBA draft, though. Uh, tomorrow night, I've mentioned it a few times, straight after the Bucks make their pick or... Who knows what could happen? We can get into that now. But whatever happens, I'll do a quick, it's probably going to be about 10 to 15 minutes uh, interview with uh, someone from Lockdown. It could be Peter Bukowski, one of the channel coordinators. I'll be on with them. They'll put it straight on the Lockdown Bucks YouTube uh, channel, which if you're subscribed, you'll see that uh, notification and you'll be able to jump on and and, uh, have a look at that. And then afterwards, the plan is to do the full show. So uh, Frank's got a, uh, he's invited the whole of Austin to his house uh, for, a <laughs> for a Rocky Rococo sauce, only the sauce and and draft party. So if I can drag Frank away to the computer, we'll also have Frank. We'll do a normal episode as well. But anyway, the point being, there's going to be plenty uh, to watch there. Now I've got a guest. I didn't tell you about this. We've got a guest uh, for the podcast right now, Frank. Uh, so I'm just going to bring them in uh, here, fresh off the contract. It's Pat Connaughton. <laughs> 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 By the way, this is why you should subscribe to YouTube so you can see what's going on here. But Pat has joined us on the podcast, fresh with a helmet on, an eye patch. He's missing a front tooth. Um, and when you talk about players that have committed their head uh, to the cause, Pat Connaughton certainly high on the list, Frank. We need a black eye. You need to kind of color the in a black eye on 
on well yeah but i mean both eyes right i mean yeah that's true. pat 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 has uh pat has taken his abuse um it really is pretty remarkable uh nobody gets punched in the face kicked in the face elbowed in the face uh quite as much as pat Connaughton does but shout out to pat one of the you know again this team has just been full of likable guys more likable than aaron Rodgers, uh guys uh, and by the Pat Connaughton, the, you know, the, the quarterback of the Bucks uh, intramural football team, most likely, given that he uh, once upon a time played played football and can apparently throw it like, you know, 80 yards or something. So, um, yeah, shout out to Pat. Good day. Good day for Pat. By the way, let me uh, what, just one note on this as well. Um, nobody asked me this, but in case anybody's curious, <laughs> nobody asked me this, but in case anybody's curious, um, Bobby is not extension eligible in the same way. So if anybody looks at the pat situation and says like oh well bobby has a player option might he opt in and then you know extend at some point this summer um he's not extension eligible since he just signed another one plus one even though he's two years into his tenure with the bucks um there isn't that same kind of angle that that he can take so if bobby portis opts in um first off gross negligence by his agent um but this uh, you know, but Bucks, Bucks, we've been we've been lucky as Bucks fans. You know, like we <laughs> we we've seen the Bucks duck, um, you know, some potentially expensive additions, or Bobby Portis just leaving for more money the past two off seasons now with with Bobby and now Pat uh, sticking around for for less money. Um, but yeah, Bobby, uh, the the time is coming to pay Bobby Portis, and if the Bucks don't, I th- again, I don't not I I don't think anybody's giving him. You know, twelve million dollars a year, fifteen million dollars a year. Um, but you know, again, I think there could be a market for him, certainly for eight to ten million potentially. And so that's why I do expect him to be compensated with uh, some version, most likely, I would say, of kind of his starting max is ten point nine. Um, and I, I don't know if he'd go four years. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping it's not a four-year deal um, because that's just a long time. But, um, but again, shout out to Bobby. And you know you can't be you can't be mad at Bobby if he gets if he gets that bag, uh, even if he gets maybe a little bit overpaid. I think as a Bucks fan, um, yeah, everybody's gonna be happy for him to finally get paid, given it's not two years in a row that that obviously he, well, you know, dramatically outperformed uh, his uh, his salary slot. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I also just this is just my own thoughts is that and clearly I think with these deals and players opting in you already pointed to it frank at some point they're probably going to want to recoup those funds that they've lost i joked with you that pat for next season just gave up more money than i'll earn for the rest of my life uh this next and it's probably not even close so you know i I mean i know they live in a different life to what we are uh but it it is for a a player that it really hasn't been a high paid player by nba standards it's you know even bobby portis was a little bit different i mean bobby portis had a big contract prior pat has it. i mean he was playing for the bucks for the minimum for 1.6 million for a couple of years he got this deal um so he, he does deserve a payday but he's also nearly turning 30 so if you did sign him for four years you're talking about 34 year old pat Connaughton. and so it's interesting to see uh, how this will play out but i also think as much as the deal the handshake that we think the bucks say look we'll take care of you let's just push it down 12 months i also just think part of it is they're playing with Giannis. They understand the role that they play in this team. The team is going to be really good. They're playing with a superstar that is going to help make them better. Uh, I think that Giannis, obviously, and what he creates with this team, obviously deserves a lot of credit. Let's get back to the draft. 
so as I said, we're under 24 hours away here. We don't exactly know what the Bucks are going to do. But one thing that was at least a little bit interesting, and I guess I've been trying to wrap my head around how it would even be possible. There was a report that came out. I believe it was uh, Scotto, who, uh, which by the way, sounds like an Aussie if you call him Scotto. Michael, Michael Scotto. Yeah. yeah, Scotto, Scotty, <laughs> came up with the uh, with the report that said that the Bucks were potentially uh, one of the teams kicking the tires on trading up to pick 14, which I believe is Cleveland's. I don't know how. Uh, any well, and Jonathan, I think I think Jonathan Gavoni at, at ESPN in his mock also referenced the Bucks, something about the Bucks making calls essentially to trade up. To trade and then up, he, yeah. And then he then spec, I think it was that rival teams, I think it was framed as rival teams reported the Bucks as making calls to move up into, you know, the teens. And then added on to that, I think it was somewhat speculation from Jonathan Gavoni that they might be looking to move up to draft a big man. And, you know, again, um, everybody clutched their pearls. Uh, <laughs> I think Mark, we never really talk about Mark Williams because we've just been assuming he's gone. So I, I don't like have some hatred of Mark Williams. I think Walker Kessler, uh, a lot of our listeners have, you know, a strong aversion to, to drafting Walker Kessler. I mean, you know, his headshot looks like a goober, you know, <laughs> the headshot is kind of tough, you know, looks like a, a goober from, you know, Auburn. Um, but uh, basically the best shot blocker of the last decade, just in terms of like block percentage, which is like the percentage of shots that a guy blocks when um, when he's on the floor. And actually, I think the stat, I forget who's who pulled the stat, but it was made, it may have been Sam Vecini that, I think it was actually Sam Vecini in the uh, in the article Eric posted today, but I think he has the highest had the highest block rate since Larry Sanders in 2009. I think was the stat or whatever it was. So um, so yeah, there you go. But um, but yeah, so it it was just a weird you know it was a weird couple of data points to hear that from two people saying that the Bucks are looking to trade up, and and then the double whammy is well, I don't know that that I think fans usually are excited about. The prospect of their team trading up right um but then to hear the suggestion that it might be to draft you know a guy that in walker kessler <laughs> most fans wouldn't want them drafting at 24 um so, is, what, so can, what, what, they, what but, could they even do frank i mean that that was my point my my reaction i tweeted this earlier was i mean there's a few reasons why this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense like first off like what are you giving up to move up from 24 to you know, 14 or something of that uh, in that range. I mean, you have to give up a lot, right? And the irony was, I was kind of looking, I was like, man, the Bucks never trade up. Like, when was the last time they did this? And they did it three times between 95 and 2000. 95, <laughs> they traded uh, a future first. And I think the, oh, I forget what it was. I think it was the 10th pick, Gary Trent, for Sean Respert, who was, I believe, pick uh, Gary Trent. eighth, I think. Um, so to move up, move up a few spots in the lottery, they, they traded a future first. I forget where that pick ended up being, um, did not work out at all. Um, I remember being excited about by that, by the way, cause Sean Rashford was such an awesome scorer in, in college, but you know, 14 year old me, apparently not the savviest draft analyst. Um, and then 98, of course, the infamous trade up from nine to six, I think they gave up a, a pick in the teens, which turned into Pat Garrity. And of course, you know. Nelly scammed the Bucks because he could have picked Dirk at six, and instead he got the Bucks to trade up. He took Dirk at nine, and the Bucks got Robert Tractor Trailer, who obviously never panned out. Um, what did and Dirk then do? The, Dirk do anything? 
uh, I don't know. I never heard what happened to him after Dallas. Um, never got out of there, I guess. After Dallas. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then 2000, which I had totally forgotten about this, but they gave up, I believe, another future first. Um, and I think it was the 15th pick, was which turned into Jason Collier. Oh, what could have been. Um, I think he was 15th. They picked, basically traded the 15th pick, and I think a future first for Joel Persbilla, the Vanilla oh. Gorilla, number nine. So, yeah, the Bucks basically had like three just absolutely disastrous <laughs> trade ups in the span of, I guess, six drafts, and they haven't tried it in the 22 years since. So, um, so they think they, they may as well trade up for another big bank. See if they can. <laughs> third time's a charm. <laughs> Well, hey, Sean Respert was an undersized six-one shooting guard, so you know, you're damned if you do, you, it doesn't work either way. Um, but yeah, it's just just a strange move because a, like, what do you have to give up, right? It's not like you have multiple second-round picks this year to sweeten it or a late first or something like that to move up that amount. You you can't move a first-round pick unless you give up. They they technically after the draft will be able to trade their 2029 first-round pick. Um, I hope I'm but still again, around. it's like. Jeez. <laughs> It's that we're not going to be podcasting. But Far out. We'll be done. We'll be done. <laughs> um, but uh, but again, it's like, I mean, are they like, that's like literally the last first round pick that they can trade. Like, is that really what they're going to do it for another guy who, you know, regardless of who it is, probably doesn't help you this year. And I think you do want to keep powder dry, whether it's second round picks, that 2029 pick, you know, the few people, the few guys, you know, Grayson Allen, whatever it is that you have on your roster, you, you do want to keep some assets that you could potentially move for players to upgrade the roster this year. So, yeah, it's just uh, just kind of like a weird thing that just really, to me, doesn't match their MO at all. And again, it's it's silly season. Like, you know, the Bucks could have called up those other teams literally just to get people talking about the Bucks looking to trade up to throw them off the scent when in reality they're looking to trade out or trade down or whatever it might be. So I, you know, for anybody like panicking about that report about the center stuff, I, I wouldn't read much into it. I also would say, I, I don't, I really don't know what direction they might go if they keep that pick or if they draft later, you know, in the, for instance, if they trade down in the second round, um, honestly, nothing would surprise me. You know, like there was the leak about how Jake LaRavia um, from Wake Forest has been in twice, but apparently there's been other guys that have been in twice um, and they just haven't been advertised because their agents didn't need to like advertise that because for Jake LaRavia, it's probably a big deal to be coming twice for the team with the number 24 pick versus other guys. Maybe you want to go higher. So you don't necessarily <laughs> leak that kind of thing. So, you know, again, I, I think back to the, the good old days of like the mid two thousands where, you know, the reports would be of like, Oh, the bucks, Herb Cole went out to dinner with, with, with a prospect, like, Oh, it's getting serious. Right. I don't know. I don't know if that's the equivalent uh, these days of, of this, but, um, but, you know, again, I, I, I honestly, I, I, you know, 24 hours before, before the draft, you know, this podcast, the day before the draft podcast always ages like milk um, because we're a bunch of stuff is about to happen. They may make trades. Um, obviously that those trades may include this pick and whoever we, would project is probably going to be wrong. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. Um, I also think like, I don't know, you know, if you're the draft uh, newsbreakers, the Bucks really aren't that interesting of a team because <laughs> yeah. you're at 24, you know, they only have one pick. Um, and, you know, again, like, I don't know that 
you know, especially the way that the Bucks keep a pretty tight ship, right? I mean, most of the big moves they've made have not been very telegraphed. Like the PJ Tucker trade was actually pretty interesting because we sort of heard about their interest in PJ for like probably a couple months. And I remember always thinking like, oh, what, what exactly are you giving up in that trade, right? And then they found a very creative way to make that deal happen. But I think for the most part, you know, whoever they pick, if they pick somebody uh, on Thursday night, will probably, you know, um, again, there's enough guys that it could be. And you're so far down the draft, you don't know who's really going to be available. So I, I have no idea. Um, I think we've both gone on record as saying, you know, we'd rather have uh, a wing slash bigger guard slash, you know, kind of combo forward type guy just because of the potential for that guy to, you know, be more projectable to being a playoff caliber type player down the road just positionally. But again, um, I think, again, just calibrate expectations. Whoever they pick almost certainly won't be good next year and probably won't be good ever. We hate to say it. Um, oh. But the odds of the odds of like hitting on like a future starter late in the first round are, are not, not high. Um, and, you know, again, like the draft's fun. Like, you know, I mean, we, we kind of had to, as Bucks fans, I think sort of live off of the dream of what could be for, for a very long time. And you never know, you never know when that 15th pick turns into a two-time MVP and a franchise savior. So anything can happen. Um, and again, I think it just, this point try to look, minimize my expectations a lot of the guys that i was most interested in have predictably now become the guys that almost certainly will not be available right the jalen williams tari Eason's, those type of guys um so i'm 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 fully expecting a guy that i'm not super excited about and um i think let me let me ask you this because I, I tweeted a little bit about sort of you know potential trade down scenarios and, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past but um I mean, what is, I mean, do you have an expectation? Is there like a kind of probability distribution in your head of like, you think there's a X percent chance they keep the pick, Y percent chance that they trade down, Z percent chance that they trade out of the draft entirely? Like, how are you sort of calibrating your expectations for what happens Thursday night? No, I think, I think there'll be a rookie on the roster this time tomorrow when we're podcasting, whether it is at 24 or it is a second, I don't know. Um, John Horse likes trading. Uh, he, he likes doing stuff. And, and I think, you know, we always, and I'm always, even though for multiple seasons, I was in all them, I, the press conferences, I still say, you know, you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, particularly around this time of year. And uh, John certainly didn't, I mean, put it this way. He could have easily watered it down and said, just played a straight bat and said, Oh, we're looking forward to like having a rookie. We can do some stuff with the 24th pick. And he was just like, I'm always looking to do stuff. Who knows? We could move it. And I'm like, okay. In one, some ways, it's kind of just typical, typical John. But I, I think they'll have a rookie. Uh, but certainly, trading down wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. And and I think part of the reason for that, as we've kind of discussed again, without you know, admittedly being an expert in all this, from what you read from the people you talk to that know far more about it than me, they seem to believe that whether it's in the mid 30s or it's in the mid-20s, there's such a long list of guys that are kind of interesting, and most of them won't work out, uh, but but maybe you get lucky, and who knows? Yeah, and I think, I mean, ultimately, like, the, 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 the biggest unknown is just, like, obviously what the draft bucks draft board looks like and the level of conviction they have in that draft board. And, um, 
you know, like, and that's all the idea of like the, you know, the idea of trading up, um, you know, you got to really want a guy and really think that guy is going to be good to give up, you know, multiple picks to, um, to, to make a move up. Right. So and, the Bucks traded up, the guy we spoke about a lot of the Bucks traded up to 16, don't even know who's got the pick, but if they traded up to 16 and drafted Jalen Williams, would you go to sleep tomorrow night feeling happy? I mean, I'm I like Jalen Williams enough that I would be happy with that. I think there are a few guys like Jalen Williams, Tari Eason, mm-hmm. that you know I, I would be I could certainly spin it spin it to myself that <laughs> it's an exciting thing, and those guys have enough real upside and and a realistic enough chance of being like real contributors by let's say year two. That okay, hey, th- here's a guy that that could be kind of like maybe he is that. Again, I, I'm not going to say like, oh, that's going to be like the Chris Middleton sort of slash Drew like replacement as Giannis's number two four or five years from now. But um, but at a minimum, a guy that could be um, hopefully at least a high level role player while on his rookie contract in year two, three, four uh, and potentially more. Right. Potentially a, a good starter or something like that. Right. And again, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon became that type of player, you know, basically by year two. Right. I mean, year one, he was starter right i mean kind of crazy to think the bucks had two rookie starters that year against toronto between brogdon and thon maker right i mean that's extremely rare i don't know how many times that's that's happened to be honest um certainly rare rare to to go past the first round with with that type of configuration so um so i would I, they're definitely guys that i could talk myself into being excited about um but again like do the bucks have anybody that they evaluate as, as being that special yeah. relative to everybody else that you're willing to give up, you know, picks that you could otherwise be using to add veterans that are definitely going to, you know, be factors for you next year. That's where just sort of that opportunity cost, I think becomes really steep for the bucks versus, you know, if you're a team that's in a very different position, doesn't have that same pressure to win now, you know, or you've got a ton of picks or something like that. Like it's just, it's not as big a deal to, to make a trade up like that. So I think to me, it all starts with the, you know, kind of the evaluation and obviously at the, at the end of the day, it just seems like the Bucks have not had a lot of conviction in the guys that were available when they were drafting, you know, really since the Dante draft, right. Cause they haven't essentially haven't had a first round pick that they've kept since then. Um, and so, you know, do they see five guys as roughly comparable and they'll just take whoever's available at 24 or do they say, you know what, like, there's like two or three guys that we think are going to be available at like the low thirties. So let's just kind of trade back. And then, you know, we feel comfortable enough that one of those guys is going to be there. Right. That's, that's obviously the risk because, you know, if you're trading 24 to go back, you can't pick that a player for yourself, for yourself. Generally, you typically are trading it and picking a guy for that other team, or then you're, you know, you have to guess who might, who might, uh, they might like. So, um, so there's, you know, there's gambles, obviously, either way. But I think the, you know, the other part that I think to me, what what most closely matches sort of the MO would be a trade down involving, you get like an early first, or sorry, an early second round pick this year. And then you get maybe a future second or a couple future seconds, maybe even depending on the quality of those seconds, because that's kind of the ultimate compromise move because i think you mentioned earlier like you look at the roster roster is going to fill up pretty quickly but 
there is room to kind of add a young guy. There's obviously a rationale for adding a young guy, just again, to see if you can develop somebody that, that pops and maybe is part of that longer term core. You haven't had that obviously the last few years um, with the likes of Jordan Wara or, you know, obviously Mamu last year, right? It was kind of a tall bill given where he was picked. Um, but, you know, maybe you, you do take a flyer and you kind of roll the dice. You hopefully get find that, that diamond in the rough. Um, and if you get a guy in the early second round, then they don't come with a, with the the rookie scale salary slot, which um, is always going to be higher than a rookie minimum. So the rookie minimum this year is basically exactly one million dollars. If they stay at twenty four, they'll have to pay that rookie two and a half million dollars, which again one point five million. Like, well, what's the big deal, right? It's not a big difference. But given where the bucks are likely to be in the tax, again, there's this four x penalty basically on the dollar for dollar at that point. So again. You know, looking at everything on the margin kind of, you know, is always going to make you like, feel like, oh, we shouldn't do anything, right? Well, we got to just save our money because everything's so expensive on the margin. But, um, you know, in practice, like that's, that's the reality, I think, for these teams, how they, how they look at it. And so, again, if you pay the, the number 24, 2.5 million versus just 1 million, there's the one and a half million that you're spending just on the salary, but then there's basically a four times multiplier on that for the tax. So a $6 million plus call it one and a half million dollars, you know, well over $7 million in net incremental cost to take a guy at number 24 versus get a guy say in the early thirties. And then obviously the, if you get another future second round pick next year, you're obviously not paying for that this year. And probably the most important thing. And the reason why this isn't just like a pure, like, oh, they're just being cheap type thing is will that second round pick or multiple second round picks, you can roll that into a trade at the deadline or this summer, you know, we saw them do it last year with, with the Grayson Allen move, they picked up a couple seconds on draft night. And then lo and behold, not long thereafter, they end up training for a guy that obviously started most of the year for them. And, you know, with the exception, obviously of the Boston series was a good player for them and played really well, obviously against Chicago as well. So, um, so I think to me like that, you know, that, that the trade down for the second plus a future, something in the future is the split the difference type type move that gives you that rookie this year, gives you that dice roll this year, also gives you some future optionality as far as potentially trading that for, you know, as part of other deals. And then you don't have to, you know, so, so there's, there's a reason to do it just for the value perspective. And then the way you sell it to ownership is you say, oh, by the way, we're going to save, you know, seven and a half million bucks by doing this. And Hey, that maybe increases if you're John Horst, the ability to go back and say, Hey, let's use the full mid-level rather than just part of it or something like that in free agency. So again, the finance stuff, nobody likes talking about that as, as fans, but um, I think it, it's always overhanging all this stuff. Right. Um, and so I think it could come into play. And I know we talked a lot about sort of what trade options there might be if they were just to trade the pick with Grayson Allen, with George Hill, like, you know, we've kind of covered that previously. Um, obviously they could go in a bunch of different directions that way. I personally, I mean, again, like I don't see a lot of guys with the trade market. I, I I feel like there's a good chance you don't really get a player much better than Grayson Allen, and you just had to give up a first round pick to do it. So I'm I'm a little wary of of making a move like that. Again, unless it's like, you know, if it's like Josh Hart, okay, that's one thing. But um, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, like I don't want to give up a first round pick to get Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? So we'll see what happens. Um, but a lot of different directions the Bucks can go. I think that's the, the bottom line. And I'd say we probably both feel like it's more likely they trade down or out than, than trade up. I think that would pretty, be the safe bet. 
Um, but I think there's also, you know, maybe not a greater than 50% chance, but, you know, I don't know, 40% chance they keep the pick, something like that. Um, I don't know if I was having to swag some some likelihoods. Maybe it's 40% keep the pick, 40% trade down, um, and I don't know, 5%, uh, 5%, 3% trade up, and maybe um, uh, the remainder goes to kind of trade out entirely. That, that's my off-the-cuff uh, probability distribution. So I asked you, you didn't give me one, so I have to make one up myself. That's some that's some Bill Simmons uh, stuff from you right there with your uh, percentages. <laughs> uh, by the way, and you like you said, these podcasts generally age like milk, so we're going to wrap this up because there's no need to go any further. But uh, just to your point. I love milk, milk, by the way. I mean, I do love milk, but. I but, actually yeah. was having cereal this morning, didn't check the milk, and I literally did have old milk this mm. morning, but I'm still here to tell the tale. So like, we, one, one, one weird thing about me, I like to drink milk with pizza, which is just crazy dairy overload. But I feel like that's like a very Wisconsin thing to do. So tomorrow night, I'm going to have Fiat 313 pizza, Detroit style pizza, the best in Austin, because I can't get Rockies. And then I have my Rocky sauce. So I'm going to dip the pizza in Rocky sauce. Shout out to Rockies. And uh, I'll probably be drinking some milk with that. So Judge I, me. Feel free to I, judge me. I, I will, and I don't even care how, how how people if they get offended by this because I know milk milk drinkers get weird about this. But Eric <laughs> Eric Eric doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm fine to say this. But when I was still in Milwaukee, uh, went to Eric Names uh, family house. Which, by the way, love lovely uh, family house they got there. We sat in down. Slinger. Yeah, out in the Slinger. I don't know whether that's a. I, I don't really. Anyway, whatever. And uh, we sat down to have dinner, and uh, Eric had a glass of milk with his dinner. Which, which to me, like Eric, you're not a baby, okay? Have a glass of water, or or have a wine or a beer or something. But you don't need a glass of milk, like with your dinner, like an absolute infant, just childish <laughs> behavior from Eric Names. So anyway, I've never actually told him that. So again, luckily he. What, what kind of milk? What kind of milk was he drinking? A two percent uh, guy. He feels like a two percent guy. Don't know. I drink skim milk, by the way. Which oh, that's because is... you're an athlete. <laughs> I feel like maybe that makes it a little more understandable because it's kind of more watered down. But um, my dad, we, my dad had high cholesterol growing when we were when I was growing up, so we just only had skim milk, and I like I prefer the flavor. So there you go. All right, check out the ultimate uh, locked on mock draft if you've got uh, any time left uh, before the draft. If you're listening to this, <laughs> and by the way, once you got through the milk chat, if you still want to go back to the basketball <laughs> chat, go to locked on ultimate mock draft. Uh, by the way, a few people asked, not on YouTube audio platform, old school. Chuck it on the old phone or the old Walkman or uh, whatever, whatever the wireless. Chuck it on the wireless, uh, and you'll be able to uh, listen to that. I picked Ty Ty Washington Jr. By the way, who I don't think is going to be there at 24. He's a guard. Uh, also, you know, he was just there. I think he's mocked yeah, under under 15, and I was like, that seems like good value. Uh, uh, but by the way, we'll get to this. But I'm only bringing could you this pick up. Him, could you pick him out of a lineup? Do you know what he looks like? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Is he kind of is he kind of chubby looking for an uh, elite athlete he's not a great uh, athlete right i'm from looking I'm, at him uh, from looking i never at watched him, any i never watched any stuff on him so i can't really i can't really comment this is the depth of my my draft uh my draft scouting from but looking at I him that, i would have to say he's a skim milk drinker oh okay <laughs> he's an athlete okay he's an athlete he's about to be an nba athlete all right this is out of control uh like i said we'll be back after the draft Subscribe to YouTube. You'll get the notifications. We'll be back after the draft. Could be fun. Who knows what's going to happen. With Frank and myself, we'll see you guys 
after the draft.